I want you to get your Bible turned to Colossians chapter 3. We're in a, in a series where we're talking about being thankful. Uh, we've got so many things to be thankful for, don't we? Have you got anything to be thankful for? Amen. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, starting verse 12. We're looking at God's Word today, God's Word translation, just like the way that it's worded. It says, As holy people whom God has chosen and loved be sympathetic, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Put up with each other. Forgive each other if anyone has a complaint. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all, be loving. That ties everything together perfectly. And also let Christ's peace control you. God has called you into this peace by bringing you into one body. Be thankful. So just to kind of catch you up, we, we talked a lot about peace last week, didn't we? Uh, we talked about the ability to have peace, the peace that, that, that comes from uh, being able to pray prayers that are effective. There are some prayers that are not effective. Uh, we found out last week that there are some prayers that are even disgusting to God. Uh, prayers that are prayed by unrighteous people who are not repentant are disgusting to God. But God uh, answers the prayers, always answers the prayers, and, and many, many times the way we want him to, not always, but many times even the way we want him to, when we pray, we learned last week, from a thankful and an obedient heart. When we pray from a thankful and obedient heart, there is a peace that comes into our spirit. Here's how this works. Watch this here. That peace that comes as a result of a thankful and obedient heart is what gives us the ability to surrender control of our lives. We are much better under God's control than trying to control everything ourselves. And so there's a peace that comes from praying from a thankful and obedient heart that allows us to be able to surrender our control to him and thereby we live under his control and that's what you call true peace. But true peace doesn't just come from praying a thankful and from a thankful and obedient heart. We're going to find today that that true peace comes uh, even from another place, a, a different way as well. And so uh, we're, we're talking about uh, in verse 15 where it says God has called you into this peace. He called you into this peace by bringing you into one body. And one body there, you know, we break that down. That This is not going to be a, a major theological find for anyone. This is pretty simple. One body there means his body, his family. Just being a part of God's family, being a part of the body of Christ, will bring you peace. There uh, is belonging that happens by you making that decision. We'll talk about it in a second, but, but everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to belong to a real family. That's the reason that gangs exist. That's the reason that, club, that clubs exist. Uh, everybody wants to belong to something, and there is a certain amount of peace that comes from belonging to any kind of a family, uh, even a gang. But there's only true peace that comes from belonging to God's family. And any other peace is not going to last. It's, a, it's going to fail. But uh, everybody has a desire to belong to something. And so today I'm going to show you a couple things about this text, this line of thinking about how it is that we can have that, that, that peace that comes from belonging to that family. Uh, now we know the way to get into the family, don't we? That, that's easy. We've heard that all of our lives. If it's the first time you've ever heard it, here's how that goes. Uh, if you want to belong to the family of God, you have to acknowledge you're a sinner, repent of your sins, and accept the fact that he loves you and forgives you, and then you're part of the family. That's how you get jumped in to Christianity. 
That's how that happens for you. That's how you can be a part of the family of God. But here's something that you need to understand that would encourage you to make that decision. Verse 14 tells us that God has chosen and loved us. Now, we know how much he loved us because we know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We understand that. But here's something for you to think about. God has loved you, but he also has chosen you. And maybe you were one of those kids that didn't get picked all the time uh, at recess for the various games. Here is God saying that even before you were born, he loved you and he chose you to be on his team. He wants you on his team. So this is a decision that you have to make. But once you make that decision, accepting that, accepting that love, accepting that chosenness will fill your soul with peace. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, Before the creation of the world, he chose us through Christ to be holy and perfect in his presence. Because of his love, he had already decided to adopt us. How about that? Because of his love, he had already decided to adopt us through Jesus Christ. He freely chose to do this. You ought to write those verses down. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. That's some powerful stuff. Before the creation of the world, he chose us. He loved us. He had already decided to adopt us through Jesus Christ. And he freely chose to do this. That's pretty exciting. I don't care what side of the tracks you come from. I don't care what level of popularity you seem to enjoy or lack thereof. That right there ought to bring joy and peace to your soul to know that God has loved you enough that he has chosen you. He's decided to make you a part of his family. And with that belonging, there comes a peace. But but that, that's the good news, but there's also more to it because we live, in a, we live under a covenant. We, all, we talk about covenant around here a lot, but we live under a covenant, and the Scripture teaches us that, this, that with this belonging, everybody can belong, but with this belonging, there comes responsibility. That's the covenant, if and then. With this belonging comes responsibility. So get your pen, your paper, get ready to write these down. I'm going to give you a little simple formula that you can that will help you to remember what it means to belong to the family of God. What is your responsibility when it comes to belonging to the family? Are you ready for this? It's very simple. It's be let be. That's the formula. I'm going to break that down in a minute, but that's all there is to it. If, you, if, if you're going to carry out your responsibilities of belonging to the family, you will be, let be. So let's break those down. You're going to be something, you're going to let something, and you're going to be something. The responsibilities of belonging are these. Number one, be. The scripture teaches us, the verses I read to you, that A believer who belongs to the family of God will be sympathetic, kind, humble, gentle, patient, forbearing, forgiving, and loving. Those are found in verses 12 through 14. Those are going to accompany the individual who belongs. So just because you know someone or even if you are that person who claims to belong... If you don't have these things operating in your life, 
then you're probably making a false claim or that person that you're thinking of that you're like, wow, he claims to be a Christian, but he is not sympathetic to anybody. He's very unkind. He doesn't forgive anybody. He's old grudges. He, I'm telling you, here's how this works. If you were to take a watermelon and you cut it open, here's what you're going to find inside a watermelon. You're going to find water, melon, and seeds to make more watermelons. You're going to cut that up, and every time that happens, I promise you're never going to cut one up and open it up and find inside there a cabbage or a tomato. It's not going to happen. When you open up a watermelon, you're going to find the same things. Now, the watermelon might be, it might be seedless or it might be seeded. It might be yellow. It might be red. But you're going to find pretty much the same ingredients, and you're never going to find those foreign objects in there. Here's what that means. That is a real watermelon. So if you cut something open that claims to be a watermelon and you don't find those ingredients, it's not a watermelon. It's the same thing with a believer. A person who claims to be a believer, when you cut them open, you would find sympathy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forbearing and forgiveness and love. That's what you find inside a believer. The person who chooses to belong to the family, who wants the peace that comes from belonging, is going to be these things. If they are not these things then number one, they either are not belonging, or number two, they pray to prayer, but they're not living up to, and so they've got some real issues and problems. I'm letting that sink in for a minute. I hope I'm not talking to anybody, but I know that I usually am. So this is what comes. This is the first part of be. We're to be sympathetic and kind and loving, forbearing, and all these things. I don't know if you ever heard the story about old grandpa was upstairs on his, he was, he was on his deathbed. Uh, he was upstairs and he was, he was weak and feeble and he wasn't going to live long. And uh, from his bed he could smell chocolate chip cookies baking downstairs. And how he longed as perhaps his last act on this earth. He could smell them and he wanted to taste them, how he loved chocolate chip cookies. And so he dragged himself out of his bed. He crawled down the stairs dragged himself into the kitchen and lo and behold grandma was making his favorite chocolate chip cookies and so he crawled over with his last bit of strength he reached his frail arm up over and grabbed a hold of one of those cookies but before he could get it off the pan he received a sharp whack across his hand with a spatula grandma had hit him with a spatula and he said why did you do that and she said because those are for the funeral That is not the way to be. Just in case you didn't get that one. Marie wrote Jimmy a love letter lament. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning that state lottery. Again, 
not an example of how we are to be. Isn't it amazing how you can see the true colors of a person around death or the winning of a lottery? I don't want to win a lottery. And some of y'all are like, man, you know, that's, I pray every day to win a lottery. I, a pastor, I would tithe. Some people tell me that. They're like, pray for me, I'll win the lottery. Now I'm going to tithe on them. I'm like, you don't tithe now. Why would you tithe then? I'm not going to pray for you. God knows what you'd do with that money. You'd do the same thing almost everybody else does with it. You'd blow it and be dead in five years. Probably the biggest curse that ever happened to most people that ever win that kind of money. If they could handle that kind of money, they'd have earned it. Ooh, I'm preaching now. Somebody reach over and pass it. People that get a lot of money can't handle a lot of money. They can't handle a lot of money. Some people are given a gift to do that. God blesses them with the wisdom, knowledge, intelligence to be able to deal with that, know what to do and make good decisions. And so thereby, he channels it through them. And some of us, that just ain't the way it is. We preach. We're good at something else. We farm. We do something else. Man, I was reading this week in... uh, Ecclesiastes. And the writer there makes the statement. Well, it's, actually, it's Solomon that's speaking. He makes the statement. He says, he said, I have lived a long time. I'm one of the wisest people that ever lived. I have everything that you could think of on this planet. I have all the wealth. I have everything you could think of. I've been everywhere, done everything, bought all the t-shirts. I mean, I've done, that's it. I'm, I've reached this point in my life where there's nothing left that I don't know about. And he said, and here's what my conclusion I've come to. And he says it several times in that passage of Scripture. Over and over, he continues to say the same thing. He says, here's what I've learned is what God wants for us. You ready for this? He said, the best thing we could do is eat, drink, and work hard. Some of you are like, hey, I got the eating thing down. I work hard every day. I think I'll start that drinking. That's not what he's talking about there. I've tried the eating and the working. How about let's add the drink to it, you know? And that's not what he's saying there. What he's saying is that there is a peace that comes from an understanding that you're on this planet to find your purpose, to work hard. And he makes the statement there that if a person has lots of money, which he had when he's saying it, because if he didn't have a lot of money and he said this, it would be like, well, psh. He doesn't have no money, so that's his excuse. He had all the money in the world, and he makes a statement. He said, if anybody comes into a lot of money, the best thing they can do is keep working hard because this is what God put us on. And you notice when you watch those shows about lotteries, the people win the money, what's the first thing they do? I'm quitting my job. Going to Disneyland. I'm going to buy 17 houses and 24 cars, and my goal is to not have one penny of that left by this time next week. Well, you're probably going to do it, you know. And uh, Solomon said, coming from a guy who's been there, done it, and has that, the best thing you ever do if you ever come into some money would be to keep working hard because that's your purpose in life. So here's what's amazing. I, I said that to tell you this. I bring you back to this part about being sympathetic. Have you ever noticed how that people that claim to be Christians When old grandpa dies, get out in the yard and start fist fighting over his stuff. Or maybe even before he's dead, 
they're in there arguing about who's going to get his house, who's going to get his car, who's going to get his land, how they're going to split his money. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you are motivated by the things of the world, there's a real good chance we split the melon open. You are part of the world. You love this world too much. We have to be those kind of people that are going to be like the second part here. The let. Where the scripture says, we're, you know, we're going to be sympathetic and kind. But then we, here's another characteristic of how you'll know us. We'll be the ones who let peace control us. Because that's a decision you have to make. Oh, it's there. The peace is there. And it passes all understanding. And it will guard and keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It's there, but it'll be your decision on whether or not you let peace control you. Take you back to last week. We talked a little bit about that, didn't we? If you decide to control your own life, then you're not going to have the peace that comes from allowing God to control your life. If you give up every area of your life to the Lord and leave it in his hands, then you can sleep at night with peace. But if you say, God, I'm going to give you my job, I'm going to give you my family, I'm going to hold on to my health, I'm going to worry about that. And you're like, I don't know if you ought to do that. God's like, I don't know if that's a good choice because I'm in a much better position to take care of your health than you are. But if you want to control that, yeah, God, I'll be taking care of this and my money. God's like, are you sure? Because I'm a lot better with money than you are. I have all the cattle on a thousand hills. You, you, you're worried about the 15 cents that you're trying to pay the electric bill with this week. I, I have it all. I, I, are you sure that you want to hold on to that? Because peace would be you giving up control of every area of your life. And then you could live in perfect peace. The scripture said, let peace control you. Philippians 4, 7 says, and then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. Peace. What would we give for peace? What wouldn't we give for peace? I'm telling you something, folks. For all of you that are striving and struggling and trying to get a hold of material things, you think it's going to make you happy? There's nothing in this world that is as valuable as peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace that allows you to rest in Jesus. So one church made this announcement to their congregation. They said, the peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. And that's what happens in our lives a lot of times. We were going to have peace, but something came up. And rather than turn it over to the Lord, we decide we'll take care of it. But in a couple of weeks after we make a mess of it, if we can't get it straight, then we'll probably bring it to him at an altar and we'll cry a lot. We could have just given it to him now. It would have been a lot less stressful. But we'll probably wait until we're nearly at the point of being committed for, you know, hysteria. And then we'll probably come and bring it to God. I know I'm being smart, Alec, but that's just what I do. Be, let, be. The third thing is be thankful. Verse 15. Here it is. It's the choice. You have a choice whether or not you're going to be thankful. You say, well, Pastor, you're thankful because 
you got more to be thankful for. Well, not really. I probably don't have more to be thankful for. But I choose to be thankful perhaps more than others, than some others. I, I think that thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness cannot be based on circumstance or else thankfulness will not be consistent in your life. Am I right? You're going to have to be thankful. You're going to have to decide to be thankful in all things. Paul said, man, I've been rich and I've been poor. I've been beat up and I've been healthy. I've had all kinds of stuff happen to me. He said, I have decided that whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. Basically, I'm going to just be thankful. Every day that my feet hit the floor and I can draw breath, I am thankful. Aren't you? I had the weirdest thing happen to me. I shouldn't tell you this. I don't know why I am, but weirdest thing happened to me a couple of weeks ago. It freaked me out. Freaked me out bad. Freaked Deb out, too. I've never had, you know, I have this, uh, this every, about every year this time of year, I have this problem with my lungs, and whatever it is goes straight to my lungs, and so I have a difficult time breathing, and I'm on inhaler and all this kind of stuff. But the other night, I'm not kidding y'all, I was dead asleep, and the next thing I knew, Jerry, I, was, I sat straight up in the bed, I was like, like that. That's the noise I was making. I jumped up out of the bed, I had my hands on the side of the bed, I'm just standing there with my eyes wide going, and that meant I couldn't breathe. I was standing there looking around dying. And Deb says, grab your inhaler, which I'm so thankful for Deb's wisdom, you know. She's laying in the bed. She's like, grab your inhaler. I'm like, that makes sense. One shot and it's like my lungs had collapsed or something. Never had that happen to me in my life. I made, I did that, I made that noise about five times, you know, it's just, and I thought, well, I'm just going to stand right here until I fall in the floor, you know. I am thankful for my inhaler. But I am thankful for a wife with the wisdom to tell me to use it. I'm thankful for everything that the Lord has done for me. I sat in my office this morning thinking about what he's done in my life. And I, I literally had this prayer because there's been two or three times in my life that I should not have lived. And uh, I lived through a couple things I shouldn't have. And, and look back on that and say, wow, Lord, uh, look what I would have missed. These were things that happened in my life when I was younger. I was like, God, I would have never had my children. I would have never gotten to have my grandbabies. I would have never been at this church. I, I would have never seen the last 24, 25 years. God, I am just so thankful. Because you could have used anybody. I mean, if I'd have died 25, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, I mean, we want to matter. We matter to Jesus. We matter to our family. But the bottom line is Solomon said it. He's like, hey, I'm going to die. Leave my stuff to people going to argue over it. I'm going to work hard for it. And I don't even know who's going to get it. And it's going to be for nothing anyway because I'm going to die. And they're not going to talk about me after a while. But the bottom line is we all want to feel like that we're important and needed. But the truth is that if I was gone 50 years ago, the planet wouldn't have been much different one way or another. Probably because God would have still done what he did. He'd have just used somebody else. But I'm thankful that I got to be here. Thankful that I got to see this and experience this and to get to know you and be a part of your life. So I'll conclude with a story. 
Pastor John Ramsey told this story about how at his church several years ago, every Sunday morning, one of the people in the church would provide him with a little rose boutonniere that he would put on the lapel of his suit. And he preached with it every week, and he really never thought much about it. I mean, he was thankful for it. He thought it was a pretty cool gesture, but please don't do that for me because my allergies, I would try to wear that, and I probably really will lock up up here, you know, flowers and I, especially close proximity. This time of year, some of y'all next year, you'd be like, Pastor Appreciation, let's get him lots of flowers. So um, he put this on his lapel, and he would preach with it every week, and he never really thought much about it until one specific day. There was a little boy about probably maybe 10 years old. Um, walked up to him after church and said, hey, pastor, what are you going to do with that flower? And the pastor had to stop and think for a minute. He's like, what flower? And then he realized he had this. He said, oh, you're talking about this? And the little boy's like, yeah, what are you going to do with that? And he said, well, do you want it? And he said, well, if you're going to throw away, I would like to have it to give to my granny. And he said, well, that's sweet. He said, uh, Sure, you can have it, uh, but why do you want, you know, why do you want to give it to your granny? And he said, well, last year, my mom and my daddy got divorced, and he said, I went to live with my mama, but she got remarried, so she sent me to live with my dad, but my dad said I couldn't live with him, so he sent me to live with my grandma, and he said, I'm just so thankful for my granny. She takes care of me. She loves me. She feeds me. By the time he gets done telling the story, this pastor's trying to keep from crying, you know, He's emotional about the whole thing. Here's a little boy. His mom and dad rejected him. He's living with grandma. Grandma's doing the best she can, and he's wanting to give his grandma a flower. And so the pastor says, you know what? I'll give you this little boutonniere, but that's not enough. He said, see that bouquet of flowers up in the front of the church? Fresh bouquet. He said, somebody provided that for the church this week. Again, don't do that. Because <laughs> it'll sit right there, and it's the same thing. So um, he says to the little boy, Go up and get that bouquet of flowers and take that home. That can be yours. And so uh, he said, that little boutonniere, he said, is not enough for your granny. He said, you got a loving granny, and she deserves a whole lot better than that. Give her that whole bouquet. And so the little boy, he made a statement then that the pastor said he would never forget. He said, I'll treasure it probably the rest of my life. The little boy said, what a wonderful day. He said, I asked for one flower. And I got a whole bouquet. And the pastor made a statement about that that I'm going to make to you in hopes that you'll remember this. He said that was a gratitude attitude. And all of us need to have a gratitude attitude. It's a part of the responsibilities that come from belonging to the family of God. You belong, and because you belong, you get peace. But because you get peace and because you belong, you have a responsibility to be let be. To be sympathetic and kind and humble and gentle, patient, forbearing, forgiving and loving. To let the peace of Christ control your life. To be thankful. It's three. To be thankful. For all the things that God has done for you. I'm thankful for every blessing 
but in this series, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember ways to remember these different weeks. I know that you or I won't remember all of these messages in years to come, but here's what I'm hoping we'll glean as we're walking through this season of thankfulness. We'll go back to last week and we will say, I'm thankful for the power of prayer. Today, I'm thankful for the peace of belonging. And with that came... every other good thing peace, love, joy strength so I had asked you to write those down because I don't want you to forget and also because I want you to be able to use that in this prayer time that in this final song I want you to either there where you're sitting or standing or you can kneel or you can come around the altars and walk around the building, you know how we do this, you can however you feel comfortable in this prayer time to take those notes and spread them out in front of you and let the Holy Spirit do a self-check on your life walk through be let be walk through it are you thankful that you have the peace of belonging to the family okay then are you upholding your responsibility walk through that Lord if they open me up what will they find are they going to find thankfulness are they going to find peace are they going to find love are they going to right be let be Am I letting the peace of God control me or am I trying to control things in my own life? And thirdly, am I being thankful or am I that person that's always just whining and complaining and negative and everything stinks, everything is bad. Yes, it's Thanksgiving, but the turkey was burnt. The dressing was good, but not as good as last year. Somebody ate all the chocolate pie. Uh, That was probably me. But I'm thankful for yours and mine. Find yourself a place and let's allow the Holy Spirit to do this work in our life. Can we do that? God bless y'all. Let's find a place and pray and be thankful for the peace of belonging. God bless you.